Thank you, Pastor Arthur, and good morning, church. Yo, you might be wondering, why am I bringing a green stool to the stage, right? You see, I'm trying to be more biblical and Christ-like, right? Because when Jesus, after he read the scroll, he sat down and started to preach. So, <laughs> anyway, no, just kidding. There's some illustration for later on, okay? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Shall we do that? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for this wonderful morning that you have blessed us, Lord. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Lord, like the rising sun, Lord, you are faithful. Your love never fails. So we welcome you. We invite your presence to be ever so close to us as we draw near to you. Oh Lord, do a mighty work in our life, you know, today and in the life of our loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, the story was told of a man who went to see a psychiatrist for his depression. So after chatting with him for a while, the psychiatrist recommended him to go downtown and watch this very famous clown perform in order to cheer him up. And the man said to the psychiatrist, I am that clown. You know, on a more serious note, mental health issue is a varied problem in terms of who it can affect, when it can happen, and how severe it can be. Although some are more predisposed due to genetics or traumatic events, no one is immune. It's a very problem that defies stereotypes. Mental health is what we're going to talk about today. Okay, you have known that by now if you are on our Coos Telegram channel. It is the first topic of a new preaching series addressing several issues on life, work, aging, and dying. And I've entitled my, my message today, Thinking Better About Mental Health. I will not be speaking as a professional healthcare provider because that is not my area of training or practice. But as a pastor, I will be speaking mainly from a theological, spiritual, and pastoral perspective, taking into account the medical science with some reflections and anecdotes from my own personal experience. <clears throat> I mention personal experience because I have been a mental health sufferer myself. For many years, I suffered from what is called general anxiety disorder. And it happened while I was serving as a pastor. Now, some of you are looking at me and like, yes, pastors are humans. We have our challenges too. You know, in our, in our last presidential election, during an interview, <clears throat> one of the questions that was, that was asked to two of our presidential candidates was that, you know, if they're elected, what can they do to address the rise of mental health issues among the youth? But I want to say that this is an issue that doesn't just affect the young people, but across all the age groups. There are reports that have highlighted that there is an increase in mental health issues among the elderly for the simple reason that they face ailing health, a gradual loss of mobility, a shrinking social circle where their family members and friends are passing on one by one, loneliness sets in and a loss of meaning and purpose in life. Just some quick uh, survey statistics. Now, a national population health survey jointly conducted by M uh, Ministry of Health and the Health Promotion Board in 2022 has these findings. 70% right? of Singapore residents face mental health issues, an increase 
from 13.4% in 2020. Now, this increase was seen in almost all age groups with the highest in the young adult age group between 18 and 29 years old at 25.3%, up from 21.5% in 2020. In other words, one in every four young adults face mental health issues. <clears throat> more, the good news is more are willing to seek informal help from their social circles at almost 80% than healthcare professionals at 56.6%, which is still quite, quite good. In a more recent survey by, by market research firm Ipsos for World Mental Health Day last October 2023, one particular finding concerning young adults under the age of 35 was that one in four of them reported having seriously considered suicide or self-harm at least once in the past one year. Now, the experts are saying that these findings are extremely worrying. As you can see, mental health is a, a very real issue that is confronting us. But in response, the government is doing their part. To, they, they launched the National Mental Health and Wellbeing Strategy last October to increase the capacity and accessibility of mental health care. And when the motion on advancing mental health care was unanimously passed in Parliament last week, just last week, on the 7th of February, nobody disagreed on that. Okay, uh, and, and you know, when, when the preaching team planned this, sermons, uh, this preaching series, and I, I, was, I had to take this uh, topic, it was last year. But it so happened that just in the last recent one, two weeks, there was a lot of things going on about mental health. I, I believe it's not a coincidence. All right, God is speaking. You know, our, our Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong said this, the issues are complex and we do not have all the answers. We want everyone on board so that we can learn together and continue to fine-tune our strategy. So, as a church community, let's approach this issue with openness and learn together because the issues are varied and complex, but there is hope in Christ. Turn to your neighbour say, there is hope in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so, I have, uh, I have basically divided my message into two big blocks. The first, the first part is... Um, Understanding mental health, all right? The second part is adopting a holistic approach. So understanding mental health, first thing, what constitutes a mental health issue? Now, there has been much debate about the choice of terms. As much as possible, I'm going to use the more neutral term, mental health issue, to avoid uh, any unhelpful connotations. And very important, we must remember, when we use a term like this, we are using it to apply to a problem, not a person, all right? And next is the importance of differentiation. Now, it's important. It is important to differentiate between normal, ordinary feelings of sadness, anxiety, confusion, from depression, anxiety disorder, uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, bipolar disorder, or even psychosis, so on and so forth. You see, we experience the normal emotions of sadness, anxiety, or confusion from time to time as a normal part of living in a broken world. And we are usually able to recover and bounce back. So not everything we experience constitutes a mental health issue. Okay? And for that, I quote um, this for Straits Times forum article on the 9th February, uh, written by a practicing psychologist, Mr. Lim Chong Leong. He said this, it would be more helpful if there was some effort to differentiate between mental illness and poor mental well-being. 
In general, mental illness refers to a formal diagnosis of a psychiatric disorder which has affected the normal functioning of a person's faculty, behaviour and personality. In contrast, poor mental well-being refers to a person's difficulty in coping and managing emotional reactions arising from the ups, from the ups and downs of one's life journey. This group may not need intervention by professionals like psychiatrists and clinical psychologists. Counselors and health coaches may be adequate to provide intervention. So it's important to differentiate, all right? If we don't attempt to differentiate between the normal and what is not normal, we will end up either taking the former too seriously or taking the latter too lightly, and both can be potentially harmful. So at what point does sadness become depression or anxiety become an ongoing disorder? Now, other than a, a formal diagnosis, there are a few areas that you and I, lay people, can look out for. First, first thing, consider the degree of the issue. How intense is it? You know, the quality of it, how different is it from, from the past? Secondly, consider the circumstances. Were, was there any painful loss, disappointment or event that happened recently? Consider the duration, the overall duration of this whole uh, issue, uh, mental issue. How long has it been? And how long do, does it last per episode? And how frequent is it happening? Thirdly, uh, uh, fourthly, consider the impact it has on one's daily functionality, motivation, and energy levels. What are the causes and effects of mental health issues? Now, this is where I want to bring in as believers, okay, who believe in the authority of Scripture. This is where I bring in the theological perspective. Mental disorders are not part of the original creation of God. In Genesis, in the beginning, God pronounced everything he made good. Say, tell your neighbor, good. And over the first man and woman he, he made, he pronounced them very good. Say to your neighbor, very good. <clears throat> Genesis 1.31. Humanity was whole and intact in every way, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, vocationally, and spiritually. But when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience, every kind of disorder and brokenness entered in and affected every part of us, including our mental health. So since the fall, our mental health issues can be caused by one or a contribution of three things. Original sin, other people's sin, our own sin. Let me unpack that a little bit. Original sin, by original sin, it refers to the first disobedience of Adam and Eve and the effects it has okay, on our biology, on life, okay, traumatic events, and on... Creation itself, natural calamities, right? In Genesis 3, uh, God did say, right, you know, the day you eat from the fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die, okay? He, they didn't drop that immediately, but death entered into our system, okay? And not only that, God cursed the, the ground and said that you will, you know, you'll eat from it by the sweat of your brow, okay? Life is hard. And Romans 8, right, all creation is subjected to bondage, you know, to corruption, <laughs> and is crying out for redemption. <clears throat> it can also be the result of other people's sin. That means other people sin against us and do us wrong. It can come from family. It can come from a social environment. 
it can come from hurtful people. An example from the Bible we can think of is David. You know, David was a good fighter and warrior. He slain Goliath, right? And then Saul recruited him into his court, you know, to be his, you know, kind of like a, a captain or something like a general. And, and David was so good. He was so good at what he does until Saul became very insecure. And he started to hunt David down. And David had to run for the rest of his life for the next 15 years or so. Right? And out of that 15 years of being a fugitive, he wrote and penned many of the Psalms. And you read those Psalms, you get an insight into David's mental health. Saul was trying to kill him. And he was crying out to God, God, what have I done wrong? I'm loyal to Saul. But he's trying to kill me. It can also be the result, all right, our mental health issues can also be the result of our own sin, okay? Wrong choices, bad responses, poor coping mechanism that we choose, all right? An example in the Bible would be King Saul. Saul was very promising. He had everything going for him, but he started to disobey God, right? And when God uh, spoke to him and rebuked him through the uh, prophet Samuel, Instead of repenting, he gave a lot of excuses. He blamed, you know, other people. He blamed this and that, okay? And he was more concerned about his own honour than the honour of God. And he continued. He continued. He chose to continue down this path of disobedience. And as a result of that, his mental health really plummeted, right? He was tormented, you know, in his mind. And ironically, it took David to come and play on a harp, you know, in worship to relieve him of his mental torment. Original sin, other people's sin, our own sin. And Christians are not exempted from all of these because though we have been redeemed in Christ, we still grapple with sin and continue to live in this broken world. But I also want to say that our mental health issues can also be the result of trying to do what is right and good. An example would be a young mother who is trying her very best to provide the best care for her newborn baby, right? And that can be a stressful experience in their life. You know, a lot of uh, real or perceived expectations, unspoken or spoken, that has been placed on her and which she placed upon herself as well. And the, or the father who is working tirelessly to provide for his family, <clears throat> while trying to be a good father, they'll be present for his family at the expense of his health and well-being. And as Christians, we can become so uh, sensitized to the sin and evil around us or inside of us that we become, uh, we grieve overwhelmingly over it. You know, we have examples in the Bible. Prophet Elijah, the prophet Elijah, you know, he was trying to call the people of God back to Yahweh you know, and he, 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 he scored a, a, a great victory on Mount Carmel against the false prophets of Baal. But after that, he had to run for his life from Jezebel. And he ran, ran, ran until he got so tired, physically, mentally, emotionally. He sat down underneath the, a tree and he, he told God, God, just take my life. You know, I had enough. I was depressed. And the prophet Jeremiah you know, where he was called by God to, to prophesy, to speak to the people of God, to call them to repentance back to, you know, Yahweh. But the people were so unrepentant, rebellious and disobedient. He, he came to a point, he, he, he just, you know, he was, 
he was uh, well known to be the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Right? And if you read Jeremiah, I think at some point he was on the brink or maybe even in depression. <coughs> and, uh, and also the, the, the young pastor who was trying to give his all in the ministry because he loved his flock so much who also later lost his extended battle with depression and he took his own life in the church office, leaving behind his wife and three kids. Now, that is, this is a true story highlighted by Pastor Andre Tan in the book, Mental Health and the Gospel Community. You see, on top of their personal challenges, pastors face unique challenges in the work that they do. They are at the, they are at the forefront target being a target and recipient of spiritual warfare. They and their family. And they carry many burdens which they cannot share with a lot of people, or likewise for missionaries and other Christian workers. And let's look at what Paul has to say about this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 27, 28. Paul says, I have been in labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and listen to this part. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. The mighty Apostle Paul, right, who is used by God to be a preacher of the gospel, to be a planter of churches, to move in miracles, signs and wonders, and he is not spared and immune to mental health challenges. You know, in response to the, the true story of the young pastor who took his life, you know, I quote Pastor Andre. Pastors in their desire to serve God and people well can so easily do so at the expense of their own health and well-being. Pastors, those deeply, this is, this is the thing I want to highlight, pastors, though deeply spiritual and heavily involved in spiritual activity or ministry are not immune to emotional and mental brokenness. You see, you and I can be deeply spiritual people and heavily involved in spiritual work and ministry, we are not immune to emotional and mental brokenness. <clears throat> you know, when I started experiencing anxiety disorder, I was always feeling very tense and on edge. Okay, how many of you have uh, taken a, a roller coaster ride before? Don't be shy. Okay, it's okay. Yeah, I have many hands, okay? It's that kind of feeling. Alright, the only difference is when you step out, when you're done with the roller coaster ride, you're back to normal. But for someone with anxiety disorder, it is ongoing. It is ongoing. Okay? You know, I couldn't relax no matter how hard I tried. I had physical symptoms of all kinds, right? My muscles, my whole body was so tense up until it was sore. I had elevated blood pressure. My heart was racing like crazy. And uh, the, the intensity will vary on a, on a range, but it can get so bad sometimes, okay, in the form of an anxiety attack that I thought any moment I was going to collapse and die. You know, my system is constantly on an adrenaline overdrive. You know, that it drained and took so much out of me, but by the time the day is over, I'm just flat out. I, I'm just so flat out. You know, that, that it affected my energy, my focus, my ability to function. There, there were days when I, just could, when I just couldn't do much or even anything. You know, and I started to feel bad and guilty because I could not, 
I could not perform as I would like to in my ministry. I could not be there to be present as fully as I want to with the people I love, my family and friends. You know, so you might be wondering, so how did I continue to pastor? You know what? I also don't know. <laughs> okay, it, it's really by the sheer mercy and grace of God. You know, mental health issue is varied in who it can affect, when and how it can affect. It defies stereotypes. No one is immune because we, all, we are broken and we all live in this broken world. My second part, adopting a holistic approach. The first thing I want to say about this is the role of professional health care. Now, while we believe in supernatural healing, okay, there is nothing unbiblical or unchristian about seeing a doctor when we are physically ill. You know, in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul called Luke the beloved physician. When you think about it, Luke was honoured by Paul with a specific mention of his profession as a doctor. Right? It, so Luke must have, been, must have done a lot of good, you know, ministering to the people of God as in his profession as a doctor, as a physician. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 33 to 34, in a parable of the Good Samaritan as narrated by Jesus, you know, Jesus shared that when the Good Samaritan saw the man who was beaten and left half dead by robbers, had compassion on him, bandaged his wounds, and guess what he did? He poured oil and wine on his wounds. Now, oil and wine were medicine in those days. Medicine. And that is also why Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, to no longer drink water only, but use a little bit of wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So the Bible is not against medication or medical treatment. Likewise, we should, not, we should view mental illness no different from physical illness where we seek treatment and support when needed. We should be holistic in our approach because the fall has affected every part of our being, our biological, psychological and spiritual, which are all intertwined in a complex way, one thing affecting the other. We should not just pop pills and think that we'll be fine or we just pray. Okay, depending on the nature and degree of the mental health issue, we may need intervention in one or all of these different areas for better outcomes. We should not rule out any at the expense of the other, but be holistic in our approach. You know, therapy and counselling help me better understand and manage my anxiety symptoms. You know, what I learned in a process is that anxiety... Is a, is a result of a... Anxiety is a built-in natural defense mechanism to protect me. Now, what happens in anxiety disorder is that it is overly triggered and sensitized to the point that it cannot stop even when no danger is present. It's a bit like the, the uh, faulty fire alarm, you know, that just just went off, okay? Because there's some short circuit somewhere, even though there's no fire. It just keep, the alarm just keep, you know, going off. You know, psychotherapy is therefore needed to retrain the brain back to some level of normality. And the, and the good news is the brain is very pliable. 
There's this term called neuroplasticity. The brain can be rewired and retrained to think and feel even and function in a certain way. Okay, that's where professional healthcare in terms of counselling, psychotherapy comes in. Or maybe some medication depending on if our issues are biological uh, in the cause. So, this um, green stool that I have, okay, uh, some of you might find this familiar or own one of these yourself, you know, it's from Ikea. Okay, uh, don't worry, um, I'm not trying to hard sell for them, okay? They don't pay me commission for this. I wish they would so that my mental health would be better. But anyway, um, for, now, for this stool to be stable, okay, it needs at least bare minimum three legs, okay? Four would be best, okay? So the first leg, the first leg is the first P, professional health care. All right? Professional uh, health care. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is the role of the people of God. You know, one silver lining highlighted by the report which I shared with you in the beginning is this, that many people are actually willing to seek informal help from their social circle. Right? Now, what does this mean? This means that the church community Okay, the community plays a very important role in this whole thing, especially the church, because the church is called to be a healing community of as the body of Christ. No, that's the other theological perspective. Okay, so what can you and I do as a church community? Number one, avoid oversimplification of the issue. Avoid oversimplification of the issue. You know, when I realized that my anxiety was not going away, even when there is no apparent stress or threat, it's not going away even when I go on a holiday, even when I'm trying to do deep breathing exercises to calm down, or even when I pray. No matter how I try, I just simply cannot relax. I just can't. That's when I realized that something in me just broke. You see, a mental health issue is not like a switch that you can just turn on and off at will. You know, of all people, I wish it was. You know, it's not something that sufferers can just snap out of it by us telling them, hey, just chill and relax. You know, be more positive, have more faith, you know, trust God. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Okay? It's like, you know, you know we... we Somebody, someone who, is, who went to the gym, okay, to train and work out, okay, and then got a broken bone or a tore a muscle or strain a muscle. You don't tell that person, you got to work harder. It lift more weights. You don't do that, right? That is unhelpful and harmful and very unloving to do, right? Something is torn, something is broken that needs attending to. And the second thing is um, get educated on the issue. Get educated on the issue. Now look out. Okay, look out for the next mental health talk or workshop and sign up for it. How many of you know that in Coos we, we run this kind of workshop and talks from time to time? How many of you? Yeah, good, thanks. How many of you know that in Coos we have a counselling ministry? Yes, we have a counselling ministry here in Coos and uh, inner Healing Deliverance Ministry, these two ministries are packed under one, the same division for the reasons I've just explained to you. Okay? You, or if you are the reading type, okay, get hold of some good resources on mental health. Now, I have in my hand, and uh, my media is going to flash up on the screen, okay, two books that 
are very helpful. Okay, the first one, uh, a Christian's guide to mental illness. Now, this is an introductory guide, all right, uh, written in a very simple, easy to understand, very readable way, you know, uh, addressing 30 commonly asked questions, okay, about mental health issue. And each chapter is addressing one question, very short, okay, very short, each chapter. And at the end of each chapter, they, they, will, they will summarize the points, the insights, and the practical handles they give to you. Okay, so I highly recommend this book. Okay, the other one is this book, Mental Health and the Gospel Community, which is a, basically a, it's a local publication. All right? It's a collection of stories and reflections of people who have been mental health sufferers themselves or are the primary caregivers of mental health sufferers. Okay? Listen to their stories. Okay? Yeah. So, so first thing, Avoid oversimplification of the issue. Second thing, get educated on the issue because love can heal where truth is found. All right? This is the lyrics of an old song. Bo both love and truth are needed for healing to take place because if we only have love, okay, and we don't know anything about the issue, we, we are not able to help them. Okay? If we only have truth, okay, and no love, then we can come across as very harsh and very insensitive, you know? And, and finally, the third thing we can do is be present for the person. Be present for the person. You know, sometimes the least and best thing we can do is to be present and listen. Now, one of our family credo, L, what does it stand for? Quiz time, yeah? Listen to understand, yes. Listen to understand. Oftentimes, when people are suffering, the thing they need the most are not answers or solutions, but presence, presence. They need to know that they are not alone, but someone is journeying with them. Someone is journeying with them. See, mental health issues don't just affect the sufferer, but their family and caregivers as well. Very often, this group is neglected and overlooked. Okay? They need a lot of support too. Right? In, in recent years, there was a case of the father who took the life of his two uh, special needs sons, remember? Yes, that's a, an example of not just the mental health suffering sufferer themselves, but their family and primary caregivers is also under a lot of tremendous stress, right? And guilt as well. Guilt as well. Sometimes they're just too tired, you know, and they wish that uh, they didn't have, never have to take care of this family member and then they feel guilty for feeling so. Right? They need a lot of support as well. So, <clears throat> the second leg of the stool, the first one is professional healthcare. The second leg is the people of God. Okay? We want to show unreasonable hospitality yeah? to mental health sufferers and their caregivers and family. And then the third leg, the third leg, the third, the third leg is the other P, prayer ministry. Okay, prayer in terms of receiving ministry. All right. You know, <clears throat> for that, I want to turn us to James chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Okay, listen to what James has to say. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if, it's very important, okay? And if he has committed sins, 
they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, it's very important to pay attention to what James says. Okay? James mentions if he has committed sins. In other words, it's possible, but we have to be careful not to be too quick to jump to that conclusion that all mental health issues are due to sin, due to personal sin. Sometimes it could be no fault of their own. They might, be, they might have suffered abuse or an accident or a painful event, or it could be biological in nature. But what James is basically highlighting here is the important role of the prime ministry in the church. Now, I think the misconception and apprehension goes both ways towards, you know, uh, receiving psychiatric, uh, psychological therapy and to receiving prayer ministry like inner healing and deliverance. Okay? But we have much to lose if we rule out such prayer ministry because, like I mentioned, we are more than biological and psychological beings. We are spiritual beings as well. These areas are intricately linked and they affect one another. You see, while, while therapy worked for me in managing my anxiety, I realized that it was only managing the symptoms. It helps to reduce the paralyzing feelings of being on edge all the time and you know, the accompanying physical symptoms of a racing heart and so forth, but it doesn't address the root cause, which is spiritual. You know, I needed ministry. Even as a pastor, I realized that I needed ministry. You know, sometimes we can think, you know, pastors are up there like that one, right? They are the one ministering to people. They don't need ministry. Nothing could be further from the truth. I had to humble myself. I needed ministry and I went for it with an open mind and open heart. And through the ministry, I discovered that I had trust, I had deep-seated trust issues with God. You see, I have no problem trusting and submitting to God as king and lord and master. But I have a problem trusting God as a good heavenly father. Right? I had I difficulty trusting the goodness of God. You know, and I, I, I lean on people more than God. Okay, and my, my worldview, my view of the world is, is generally negative. You know, where I view the world as a very unsafe place. You know, and I, I felt I needed to constantly, excessively preempt things many steps ahead in order to, re to retain a, for a false sense of control. But the truth of the matter is, we are not in control. <laughs> we are not in control of a lot of things in life. Only God is in control. <clears throat> you know, but through ministry, I was able to deal with those spiritual issues, you know, receiving ministry, prayer ministry, and the Word of God to be healed in my spirit and renewed in my mind. You know, I'm still work in progress, but the prayer ministry actually helped and added to my mental health recovery journey, right? It, because it took away what was fueling my anxiety. So, the next leg of the stool Okay, which is the next thing I'm going to talk about, okay, is the last P. Okay, the first P, professional health care. Then you have the people of God, the support from the people of God. 
then the receiving prayer ministry. The next, the last P, the last leg, the last P is the person of the mental health sufferer. The person of the mental health sufferer. The role of the mental health sufferer is vital and key. For that, I quote from the book, okay, A, Man, A Christian's Guide to Mental Illness. Sometimes sufferers can take on a passive victim spirit when suffering with mental illness. So much care can be provided by their pastor, church, family, friends, professionals, and biblical counsellors that they can begin to simply be receivers of care rather than taking any responsibility for their own recovery. Now, this next line is very important. This diminishing of personal responsibility is harmful to the sufferer and prolongs the suffering. We want to encourage sufferers to do what they can without heaping false guilt upon them by blaming them for what is outside of their control. Now, I quote from this book because it's, it's truth that is worded in such a balanced and sensitive way on the role of the mental health sufferer in, in the journey towards recovery. But I need to qualify by saying that the, the mental health sufferer's role will vary depending on the type of issues that they have. For example, you will expect less from someone who is suffering from schizophrenia or psychosis. They are detached from reality, okay, as compared to someone who is suffering from an anxiety disorder. Okay, and it also depends on the levels of severity. You, you would expect less from someone who is, whose mental health issue is very severe compared to someone who is not so severe. And also depends on the level of support they have. Right? If you would expect less from someone who has little to no support than from someone who has a lot of support. And also it depends a lot on the stages of recovery, whether they are just starting to recover you know, or they are at like, kind of like really ahead in their recovery. The sufferer's role is vital in terms of seeking professional health care, doing the therapy or homework given to them by the counsellor, taking their medications if needed, even when they feel it is pointless. You see, in times like this, our own feelings and thoughts are untrustworthy. We have to learn to trust those outside of us, like our family, pastors, professional health care providers. You see, the, the sufferer's role gives them value. For that, I quote the book again. Although the responsibilities mentioned above may not seem like a lot, they can make a massive difference. First, it benefits a sufferer with a sense of purpose. A passive victim has no self-esteem, no self-worth. Calling people to responsibility gives them a sense of moral agency and inherent dignity. They are active participants and not just passive observers. They have a reason to live. They have a purpose to perform. As long as this is kept within reasonable bounds and expectations, sufferers taking responsibility whenever they can will ultimately shorten their suffering. You know, what we can expect in terms of healing and recovery is that it is possible, but not always a smooth, linear kind of way. All right? In some cases, so most of the time it's like this. Okay, as long as the general gradient is upward. But in some cases, full recovery may not be possible. So we are looking at long-term management. Okay, but quality of life can still be possible. It's a little bit like someone who lost a limb because of an accident or illness. 
right? They need prosthetics, they need a crutch in order to carry on living a normal life as much as possible. And they can. You know, I wish I could tell you that, you know, God just healed and delivered me from my general anxiety disorder instantaneously. I, of all people, I wish it was that, but it wasn't. It wasn't. In my case, and I believe in many people's cases, you know, it took me many, many months of discipline, hard work, patience, and perseverance. Patience. Patience with ourselves. You know? Sometimes we are our greatest enemy. All right? In, apply, you know, in applying, you know, a lot of discipline, hard work, patience, and perseverance, in applying the psychotherapy, in watching my diet, in, in, in uh, getting into a... a Exercise routine, you know, exercise is very important to help bet, you know, better mental health, all right? You know, you might not be able to hit the gym or run 10 click, 20 click. It's okay. Do what you can, all right? Do what you can. Don't be all or nothing, all right? A little bit goes a long way, all right? And of course, rest and spiritual disciplines or prayer, meditating on the Word of God, you know, worship, coming together for church, you know, for corporate worship and fellowship. You know, before I began to experience improvement, it took me many, many months, all right? And don't give up, okay? It's going to take a while, okay? And there are ups and downs. Like I say, it's not linear. It's not a smooth, linear, kind of an upward, kind of a straight line. It's, up, it's a lot up and downs, but I keep persevering. You know, I started off on a scale of 1 to 10. My anxiety was at 9, but as I keep on applying the therapy, the, you know, the, what I, the counseling, you know, and all the other stuff that, that I needed to do, it started to reduce. Okay? But it will vacillate. Sometimes it drop a bit, then it will increase again. There are good days, there are bad days. So if you are a mental health sufferer, don't beat yourself up on a bad day. Okay? Don't beat yourself up. All right? Encourage yourself. Say, it's okay. It's a bad day, but... You know, I'll try. I'll, I'll keep on persevering. You know, and it started dropping, dropping, dropping until now I'm at a level of one to two on a scale of one to ten and sometimes even zero. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Now, there are still occasions when my anxiety can be triggered, but I'm better equipped now. I'm in a much better place now, now to manage it and maintain my daily functionality. You know, I want to wrap up by saying some things that applies to all of us, whether we are mental health sufferers or not. Okay? You know, the Bible does not, listen to this carefully, all right? The Bible does not reject our emotions as a negative thing. No, it doesn't. You see, we have in the, right in the middle of Scripture an entire book called the Book of Psalms, which contains the prayers and the cries of God's people, where you find an entire range and spectrum of human emotions from jubilant praise, joy to anger, indignation, frustration, confusion, complaint and lament, and even depression. We also have the book of Job. Job was in so much pain and mental, emotional, physical torment, that he came to a point in Job chapter 10, verse 1, where he says this, I loathe my life. I loathe my life. Depression. 
And in the Psalms, the darkest Psalm is Psalms 88. I, I preached on this before, some time ago. You see, the psalmist in Psalms 88 describes a deep and dark depression he's going through in which he feels like a dead man who is forsaken and forgotten by both God and friends. You know, most psalms will, of complaint will always end off with praise and hope and trust in God. Psalms 88 is the only psalm that doesn't end off this way. In fact, the last verse in Psalms 88, in literally in the Hebrew is, my companions are darkness. Nothing but darkness. The fact that Scripture contains a book like Psalms and Job and even Psalms 88 speaks of God's compassionate recognition of our emotional distress and struggle in a broken world. Very often, we cannot choose how we want to feel, but we can choose how we want to respond. Our emotions are given by God very often to tell us what's going on inside that we need to pay attention to. You know, our troubled emotions or mental health, no matter what state it is in, listen to this carefully, is not our identity. That's the other theological truth. No matter how we feel, it is not our identity. You know, one of the things, that's one of the things that I learned in my struggle with anxiety. You see, as real as the feelings and the symptoms are, anxiety is a problem I have, but I am not my anxiety and my anxiety is not me. It's very important to grasp this and to keep reminding yourself daily. All right? Because in Christ, the truth of the Word of God is that I am a child of God who happened to have an anxiety problem. You see, this simple but powerful truth is so important for me to keep meditating on in the midst of my anxiety struggle because it changes the way I look at it and it empowers me to do something about it. While Psalms 39 ended off with God's face turning away from the psalmist and Psalms 88 ended with darkness as the psalmist's only friend. At Calvary on the cross in Mark chapter 15, which says that when darkness came over all the land, it was a deep, dreadful darkness. Even the people there and the Roman soldiers, they were terrified. And Jesus, while he was on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus endured the fullness of God's forsakenness so that even in our feelings of God's forsakenness, we can know fellowship with the God-forsaken one. Despite how we feel, our fear and darkness cannot keep us from God. You see, the objective truth of God's presence and the efficacy of His grace is not lessened by our inability to feel it. Simply accepting it is an act of faith. Stop drawing near to God in prayer, in the Word, in meditating on the Word, in worship and in fellowship. Okay, you might not be able to do a lot, but do whatever you can. You see, I have met people who were healed of depression through worship. You know, and why fellowship? You know, sometimes when we feel that we do not have any faith of our own, sometimes we feel nothing except darkness, especially people who go through depression. Right? We need to write on the faith of others. We need to write on the faith of the people of God. And when we keep doing those things, the spiritual disciplines, those things are not the things that change us. 
what we are doing is when we do those things, we are positioning ourselves in a place where we can experience and encounter the healing presence of God and the love of God. You know, in my illustration of this four-legged stool, the first P, professional healthcare, the second one, the people of God, the third one, prayer ministry, and the last one, the person of the mental health sufferer. It is stable only because it can rest on the solid ground of God's faithfulness and enduring love. Where God is at work in and through all of these four legs, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. We sing in the song Waymaker, right? God is working. God is working. Can I invite you to stand? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And He is near to us, no matter where we are. And I invite the worship team to lead us in the song, Mighty to Save. And I want to invite you and encourage you to sing this song over yourself as a prayer and also to sing and proclaim this song over loved ones you know of who might be mental health sufferers. Proclaim it over them in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we do that? Let's draw near to God, you know, because God wants to draw near to us. Church, let's sing. Everyone needs compassion. Love acts never failing. Let mercy fall on you. Amen. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Yes. Let's declare it. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. Amen. That's right. Jesus conquered the grave. Take this as you find this, Lord. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Lord. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow. Everything I believe in Now I surrender I surrender Say, oh Savior He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save Amen He is mighty to save That's right Forever Altar of salvation Heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole yes, Lord. Shine your light on us, God. For the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. Thank you, Lord. For the glory of the risen King. Savior, we can move 
the mountain. Yes, their God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Altar of salvation. Amen. He rose and conquered the grave. Oh, Jesus conquered the grave. Conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Let's give God praise. Shall we do that? Hallelujah. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are ever so near to us. Lord, in Isaiah, you say that a bruised reed you will not break and a flickering wick you will not stuff out. Lord, you are near and close to the brokenhearted and those who are tormented in their mind. Yes, Lord, even when we don't feel it, you are there. Lord, all the things that we do, Lord, is only good because it can rest on the solid rock and foundation of who you are. That you are a faithful God and your love never fails, it endures forever. And you are at work even when we cannot see, we cannot feel in all of these different things to reach out to us. And reach out to us, Lord, and our loved ones, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Do what only you can do, Lord, to bring healing, to bring restoration and wholeness in our journey. And you are the God who caused all things to work for the good of those who love you. Lord, use our pain, Lord, to be a blessing to other people. And you are more than able to do that. You are more than able to do immeasurably, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to your glorious power in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you lift up your hands and receive the benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and your loved ones and give you peace. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, church, is there anything that you need to act on in one of these four things? Do it. Act on it. All right. If you need prayer, the altar is open. Feel free to come forward. Our pastors and staff will be more than happy to pray for you. All right. God bless you. Have a great weekend.